This is Milena, your host of the Retail Mavericks podcast. In this episode, we have taken a popular webinar and converted it into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Join Scott Anderson, Chief Revenue Officer, along with Zach Simpson, Customer Success Director at Hybrid, as they share some of the best practices on how CPG manufacturers are leveraging next-generation machine learning and operations research models. Scott and Zach explore how these models are being used to augment traditional tasks from category strategy to planogram creation, all in minutes, not months. You can visit hybrid.com forward slash resources to watch the full webinar. But for now, let's get on with the show. So the, the title of the presentation is Simulating New Item Success um, from Innovation All the Way to Execution at the Shelf. So Zach and I are going to share uh, a few case studies, but I'm going to start with just an overview for those who might not be familiar with Hyvery, a very brief uh, verbal overview. Um, Hyvery was started about seven or eight years ago in Sydney, Australia. Two serial entrepreneurs um, came out of the Coca-Cola Founders Program, which is a uh, program as a, a entrepreneurial incubator. And they were paired up with three PhD data scientists from Data61 Laboratories, which is a, uh, think of that like DARPA's the equivalent of DARPA in the US. So a think tank of data scientists as part of CSIRO. Um, and they were paired together to solve a problem, which uh, started in vending machines to localize assortment um, within the space provided to reduce out of stocks and ensure that um, all the items in the, each of those individual vending machines um, not only were, were carrying the an assortment that drove revenue that increased sales, but also to ensure that from an operational efficiency standpoint, those items sold down at roughly the same rate, um, which reduced restocking um, trips. So about four or five years ago, that technology was brought to the U.S. Um, and Zach, who's on the phone with us, was a big part of bringing that and launching it in the U.S. Um, and his experience with Walmart and also partnering with Coca-Cola uh, to get that launched. So we'll tell you more about that. That solution is called Curate. And that is, Hybrid was born seven or eight years ago. Curate was born four or five years ago in the U.S., um, and has been expanding since and working with um, some of the great companies on this call. So that's a big bit of background on Hybrid. We're going to talk a little bit about the solution, and we're not going to talk about the solution itself. We're really going to share some best practices and some analyses, but just give you uh, a little bit of the setup. Uh, the solution is an AI optimization solution, so it's AI-enabled. Um, we have clients that start using that product in marketing to understand and predict uh, how their new items are going to perform in the market, um, transitions over to sales, where um, a lot of different simulations are run to prepare for collaboration with retailers uh, in joint business planning sessions and line reviews and category management uh, as well. We have a, a, a big part of our user base is in category management because they are executing assortment recommendations and plan rounds. Um, and so really across the organization, uh, and they're leveraging collaboration with their retail partners. So just to do a little bit of setup today, um, a number of you on this call are launching new products right now, most likely, uh, certainly this year. So we have clients that are launching, uh, you see two examples of uh, multiple product launches within brands that are happening this year. Um, and, and it's a big part of, of what all of our CPG manufacturers do, and it, it crosses over from marketing, sales, and category management, as I just mentioned. Um, here's the case for change. So. Zach and I have been at this a long time, as many of you have, um, have been part of new product launches over the years. It costs a lot of money to launch a new brand, a new segment, uh, or a set of new products. Everything from uh, R&D in the beginning, uh, package design, all the way through supply chain, manufacturing, um, advertising, promotional spend, uh, all the way through execution. Not only for the CPG manufacturer, but as, as, you know, as well as the retailer on their end and their supply chain. There's 30,000 new products that are launched every single year, consumer products, um, not all products, right? Just within the consumer products industry. And 80% of those fail. And there's been a number of studies that will, will rank that number from 70% to 90%. Um, but it is a lot of products that don't survive the first relay at the retailer um, because they don't need a hurdle rate for item store sales. 
And what we try to do with companies is help them predict what that success is going to look like so they can be more targeted in their approach and ensure those new items are set up for success from the very beginning. So what drives that challenge? It's really hard. <laughs> and, and the technology hasn't existed for us to be able to uh, really predict how new items are going to perform, not just in mass. Um, and, I, and I have been on the wrong side of, of forecasting new items uh, in my prior lives. Um, it's really hard. The prevailing thinking about where new items going to perform uh, has often been wrong. Uh, where we say, hey, put it in the southeast or put those new items in every single store across America, they're going to do great. Um, and store selection has been unscientific. So CPG manufacturer, retailer, buyer get together and say, um, you know, we think these items are going to appeal to a certain demographic. Um, so let's put them in all stores that we think fit that demographic profile and all stores aren't created equal. Um, as we say, every store is a snowflake uh, and, and all of those stores perform differently uh, and those items perform within those category sets very differently. So a few things that Zach and I are going to share today, and then I'm going to turn it over to Zach uh, to lead the discussion on a few, a few of these best practices. Uh, really, how, we, how can we better predict where new items are going to earn distribution at, in, in a specific retail or in a specific market, all the way down to the store level? Um, how to maximize revenue by optimizing your brand portfolio if you're a CPG manufacturer, uh, your category if you're a retailer, all the way down to the store level, and to create space for new innovation. Uh, so, and high performing items, not just new innovation. So we're going to talk a little bit about both existing items and new items. Um, that's going to enable, and that's helped other clients enable more pinpointed approach to advertising and promotional support to make sure that those new items stand up uh, in the marketplace and they stand up for the long haul, not just for the short term. Um, and then at the very end, we'll talk a little bit about creating win-win scenarios for both CPG manufacturers and retailers. So with that set up, I'll monitor some questions as they come across while Zach uh, talks and Zach, I'll flip. I'll flip forward for you as we go. Awesome, Scott. Um, so we're going to go through here and talk through a number of just case studies. We've masked up all the data, but these are real live slides that we've and outcomes that we've presented to a number of stakeholders across our client base. So those stakeholders could be category managers that are working with their uh, merchant teams to, to help understand how are these items going to perform that you've been proposed through like line reviews, as an example. We've worked with merchants directly for the same sort of thing to understand um, in joint business planning processes how we should go through or how seriously they should take innovation that's been proposed to them or what items in rest of market um, that they're not carrying today should they consider how much distribution would those items earn if they came in and competed on a head-to-head -head basis. And then as Scott sort of pointed out, um, we've done quite a bit of work with marketing uh, professionals at, at the CPG companies in order to understand, you know, how do they manage their portfolio? How do they manage that mix within their own company? So you see some great examples there, as well as um, RGM teams that are also trying to manage their own internal P&L. So um, a huge cross-section of folks that we've worked with um, as we're coming through on some of these um, examples here. Key things that we get asked when we come in and we get the data loaded, we start going through and, and modeling this stuff up is, um, First of all, which retailers are going to have the most success or the least success, we believe, with distribution, performance, critical mass of um, uh, supply chain, those kinds of things. Um, we're wanting to know or our clients really want to know where are we going to be successful? Which accounts are we going to be most successful with as we load this? Secondarily, within those accounts, what stores um, and so one of the key things to, to note about Hybrid is we start at a very low degree of granularity. So we start at the lowest degree possible, which is store item combination and aggregate up from that point to any type of executable cluster market region that you might want from there. So we make it really, really simple to start from the lowest degree of granularity, um, which might be the most difficult for a Catman team to, to go execute because you got to draw stored civic planograms, all the way up to how would your merchant actually go execute this, keeping, in, uh, keeping account of things like 
their cluster logic, their footages, their fixtures, um, their um, DC critical mass constraints, all those types of stores. So in which stores, based upon the actual execution criteria, are we going to earn the most distribution and be most incremental for our brand as well as for the retailer's portfolio, which are really, really powerful tools um, um, that we go through. And then sort of lastly here, one of the key client questions that we, we hear a lot is in which store formats are we going to be most incremental, right? And that's important because if you've got a, um, if you're like a large mass retailer, as an example, you have C stores, you have grocery only stores, you've got large mass formats, you're in um, a, a wide variety of different formats within um, the same con within the same retailer and the same customer. And so um, those are really important things um, that we can help support and make um, uh, recommendations for. Yeah. So we got a question here that just came through just to jump into that real quick. And as I think it's really relevant here. So how do you account for assortment at store level based on different POG set sizes or assortment slots available? Awesome question. So we take the existing PSAs from the retailer, um, so the existing um, space files, and, and we do that in a variety of different um, space planning um, platforms. But we, we generally, I'd say in probably 90 plus percent of the cases, we ingest the space from the retailer, and we're doing that in a couple ways. One of them would be that the retailer can provide um, us that information behind a data or a data security firewall um, so that we are making recommendations that are most relevant for the retailer without them giving away confidential information to a supplier partner. So we have a number of instances where we're working with a manufacturer partner, they introduce us to the retailer and that retailer provides us um, the, the space information if the manufacturer doesn't have that, um, that those, those files. So those files would account for everything from fixture complexity, um, shelves within those fixtures, things like breaks and how the retailer actually goes through and uses can combined or non-combined um, shelf settings, different formats, et cetera. And when you combine that with the movement data and we can go through and extract and scrape off of the existing planograms, the merchandising rules, that could be things like allowable orientations, merchandisable height, et cetera. We literally learn that we teach the system or the system learns to replicate the planogram as if it was that, that merchant for that retailer actually um, drawing um, in that space. So that's how we go through and digest space aware um, assortments um, from a variety of different space planning platforms. We also, it would, I'd be remiss if I didn't share this. We also have the ability to ingest an assortment only that is not space aware for instances where we might not have those abilities, um, and I, I, we can walk anybody who's super interested in that through that at another time. Um, but that is sort of a, um, a, a, a secondary approach if we're unable to get space aware um, information along the way there. Here's the approach that we take as we come through and begin to solve these problems. So, um, the first is that we go through and we, um, we understand the, the store landscape, right? So we're going through and identifying where are those stores, latitude, longitude, um, the space um, awareness of those um, sets, just like we um, kind of talked about. The second element of it is that we go through and, and scrub the data, load the data, get those components going through. And this is a very... We start with a foundation of very simple and approachable data. We have a store attribute file, a product attribute file, a movement table, which is generally dollars and units per store per week, with or without zeros, depending upon the movement profiles of your category. But it's a, the base foundational element of the data is very, very accessible and achievable in Right and intended to be so, so that can be hyperscalable regardless of the, the, the depth and the richness of the data. We can always add to that complexity of the data 
um, whether we're incorporating loyalty data, whether we're incorporating profitability data into it, whether we're incorporating um, e-commerce or omni data into um, that in, in, in the end. What we're looking for, though, at the end of the day, the way to think about your data is we can incorporate and include um, really many, many data sets. I'm not going to say any data set because we would want to come through and do some due diligence around the robustness, et cetera, of it. But if you have access to that data um, and you want to include it in the modeling here, that would be something that we are um, certainly doing. But as a foundational approach to the data, we take a very, very simple data pool and then can add complexity to that. So that's the, the second piece of it. The third piece of it is that then we give you, the user, the ability to come through and add your own constraints. So I have a client services organization. We help and support you guys hold your hands along that path. Um, we also give you sort of the keys to the castle to come through and start to run your own scenarios because um, fundamentally, in, in my background in retail, I wanted to I wanted the frontline users to be the one who are making the decisions. I didn't want it to be in the hands of a third party, et cetera, like that. No one knows the problem set, like your people, your category managers, your marketing folks, um, your merchants on the front line, um, like, like you do. And so therefore, um, Hybrary is an AI machine learning tool. That's half of what we do. The other half is we're an optimization technology, which gives people that don't have a PhD in mathematics or don't have a computer science master's degree the ability to come through and actually leverage this um, great type of stuff. So we, we call that rule writing. And um, uh, so we give the user the ability to come in and add your own constraints as we go through this. Some of those simple constraints might look like POD neutrality right? Um, they might look like industry growth rates that you want to apply to it. It may look like pack and a half constraints or requirements, um, DC constraints. They may look like um, needing to hit certain points of distribution thresholds with um, different items, or you want minimum disruption to the existing um, planogram that's out there. So those are some of the, just some quick examples of constraints that we can go through in that as a user, um, you can you can add into there. Then we take the constraints, the data, and the store summary, and we run it through uh, the engine. Our optimizations tend to take anywhere from five minutes to thirty minutes, depending on the magnitude complexity of the data um, that we're we're looking at. And then it gives you the ability to come back through and actually monetize the value of that judgment. And so in the case of really what we're focused on today and what we're partnered with a lot of marketing um, professionals on, it's if we add these new items, how is it going to interact with our portfolio? How is it going to interact within the retailer's portfolio? What item, what stores or regions or format should we be adding this to? So it gives us the ability as humans now to very quickly and rapidly qualify and quantify the value of our judgment because we're using this really robust machine learning and deep learning algorithms to come through and predict how that would perform. And then we're using the um, optimization technology to give you the user, the ability to come through and make um, and, and provide it some general guardrails and actually some extraordinarily specific guardrails, if you would like to um, along the way. In this example right here, we had a client, and this is all masked up um, data. These items don't exist. They're um, fictitious, but the data is real, okay? So we were operating with a small, uh, with, a, with a large manufacturer in a regional, in a regional um, retailer here, and they said, hey, we've got two new items, which in this case are the two items to the furthest left, um, Sweet Crunch, 84 ounce and the sweet crunch 12 ounce items. And they said, if we brought these items in, right, and we allowed them to compete within our portfolio and the merchant is holding us to, to um, skew neutrality um, and point of distribution neutrality, would the, how, how much distribution would these items earn? And so we went through and did a store-specific analysis here because this retailer does store-specific um, planograms, right? And what we ended up seeing as we went through here is that 
one of their items would receive about 90% distribution. So the, this first item would come in and receive about 90% distribution when you optimized for the mix of dollars and units that they were targeting. We could also bring in um, all kinds of other um, metrics like profitability. We could bring in things like loss sales, labor, all those kind of components. But in this case, what we saw is that the 12-ounce offering, due to the nature of its size, its cube on the shelf, right, and the nature of how well we modeled it to perform based upon other items in the category, um, that item would receive almost full chain distribution, but not entirely. And that the larger item, the Sweet Crunch 84-ounce, would actually only receive distribution in about 250 um, stores of the 400 stores in this um, in in this chain. What we also saw then, as we went through, is what items are going to begin to get picked off, and we can do this. So in this case, we did it at a store specific level, right? To say like, hey, raspberry may come out in these uh, in these stores, but caramel comes out in these others, and lemon comes out in these others. So Scotts. Uh, point earlier about each store being somewhat of a snowflake and that you in this case we give you or we give the merchant or we give your sales team the ability to come back through and make very specific recommendations and if you don't think that retailers are going to be down to the individual store level in the next couple of years this is one of the big trends that we believe is is going to happen is the ability to merchandise really really quickly and take the grunt work out of drawing planograms to be able to draw planograms really really rapidly and that's no longer the um, the difficult inflection point in in planogramming and why we have to go to regional clusters the challenge will be in strategic alignment with manufacturers modeling out what are the right ways to go apply this as we go forward and so in this case we were able to go through and say these are the items that would come out in those particular stores we could also roll that up because we do everything from the store item combination we can then aggregate up to clusters, footages, markets, regions, et cetera, et cetera, um, so on and so forth along the way. Yeah, so we just got a, a question that came through. Is, is there the ability to perform dozens of retailer and category simulations to aggregate up to a total company dollar opportunity? Yes. In this example, it's mask data, obviously, that we're talking about. But that is what we're doing is we took, instead of using... Um, shopper card data from uh, a, a strategic partner for that retailer that's not in a channel that, uh, well, this partner uses a whole lot of 8451 data to make big organizational decisions, right? And actually, that's not a channel that's particularly relevant for this partner as well. And so what they wanted to do was run a similar type of a process, but against a channel which was way more specific and relevant to their PL, their innovation pipeline, and their um, their their profitability and strategic focus as an organization. So yeah, we took a broad swath of retailers and aggregated them up in this case for them to be able to make portfolio decisions across the board. Um, so I hope that answers that question. In, in this case, when we're working with this specific client, um, what we saw was, and we were able to monetize for them, is not only the impact to their P&L, but also for the retailer in incrementality, right? So they were able to come through and say, once we run all the cannibalization, transferability components to this, if you execute this recommendation, Yes, we will be up by 273 bips in run rate, right? But as a category, this category would be up over 100 basis points in general. And so that type of degree of precision to be able to come back and tell your retailer that, hey, this is the best thing for our organization, but we believe this is also the best thing for your organization. And I saw a ton of new item presentations where people would come in to me when I was a merchant at Walmart for better part of 15 years be like, this is going to be highly incremental to your portfolio. Well, how do you know that? Well, I'm, I'm, intuition, right? That, we have a lot of experience. We know these items are incremental. 
Um, we give you the ability now to come back and actually monetize that not only for you, but also for the retailer at a variety of thresholds of distribution, penetration, and aggressiveness of assortment, churn, and impact. So um, as, as we went through, what you can see here is that that was a $2 million um, nice round number impact for our, um, for our client. But the retailer was going to see about three, $3 million bucks a week um, in gross category impact um, there as we went through. So that's a way in which we're not only using this against, okay, how does it help support us internally, but then the sales guys can actually use this to go back and make executable recommendations, whether they, again, be at the, cl the retailer's clusters um, or um, in regions um, or down to even the store-specific level as we're going forward there. Um, I got a really interesting question around how much variance do we see in the in this process for manufacturers versus retail customers? And what I would say is that it's the exact same process. Retailers have such rich data, though, that retailers want to include things like damages and defectives, lost sales. They want to include their e-commerce e omni data that they may not be sharing with their manufacturer partners. They want to include labor data, all those kinds of things. So retailers have a tendency of bringing much higher caliber weapons to the gunfight. Um, whereas, um, but again, we do make this a very simple and attainable data set so that we can very broadly go work with a lot of um, accounts um, along the way. I think ultimately it, it creates a collaboration, right? That's been hard. That hasn't really existed very well just by having more granular data. So um, just to reiterate what Zach said, and I think you'll see this in the next, some of this in the next example and we'll bring it in, is um, this is a client who's looking to figure out um, within my existing brand portfolio, where can I, where do I have overperforming and underperforming items before the retailer comes and just decides to make a cut and can re-optimize their portfolio to do two things ensure that they have items that have the proper days of supply stay on the shelf and create space for new items. And that creates a collaboration. So um, between the retailer and the manufacturer to make the right decisions that are good for both. So just to reiterate Zach's point uh, on that, it's a simple set of data to start with, but we can add multiple data sources to bring it to life. I think just to ping on the other question, this can be done at the current clusters that a, that a retailer operates within in a category. It can go all the way to store level or any point in between. So just when you see this analysis, kind of think about it at any level of, of granularity. And uh, we got a question from Sean Wolf out there about um, are, are we able to do this where we don't have store level data? And the answer is absolutely. Because we start at the lowest level, we can always aggregate up to markets or regions um, uh, along the way. And so, yes, we, we aggregate up and, and have a number of examples where we've done that with clients where store level wasn't available. The next one that we're going to walk through here is one that I hear a lot from my merchant friends that are still live in the industry, right? And it's about optimizing the existing portfolio for simplicity of execution simplicity for um, manufacturer operations and the incremental revenue that big decisions can, can make in that space. And then secondly is, are you getting your fair share of distribution on your core brands? Okay. And I'll, I'll double click into this one a little bit here, just real quick. And we'll show you the slides in a sec, but what we see is the nature of clusters and because planograms are so hard to go draw it for across a, a large or even a medium-sized retailer, you're talking hundreds, if not thousands, if not tens of thousands of planograms, right? So drawing the planograms has been the hard part, that we naturally are sub-optimizing your brand's um, precise distribution and where they would perform best. And we'll show you an awesome example that we did with a large manufacturer here in just a second where by getting into a greater degree of granularity, we were able to grow their business aggressively on the exact same number of points of distribution because we'd been clustered. And when we went down to a store level, all of a sudden that unlocked a whole lot of local growth for that um, player. 
And then um, next is really around portfolio optimization. And what happens if I remove a pack size? So if you think about, you know, um, categories out there where you have a lot of size proliferation within a given category, right? And you guys can all think of um, examples of this where you might have a six pack, a 12 pack, an 18, a 20. Um, you know, I think soda is a great example of this. Cereal is a great example of this. Frozen vegetables are a great example of this. Um, deli meat is a great example of this. Laundry detergent is a great example of this. I mean, we can probably go to any category in the grocery store and find pack size proliferation that I know from my merchant friends, they're going, man, we got to make this more simple to execute and operate. But what happens if I delete that size that's in the middle or the small size or the large size? Do I get trade up? Do I get trade down? Where do I lose uh, purchase occasions, et cetera? That's the type of work we're doing um, for uh, marketing and category management professionals out there. And so uh, we'll show you some of that here in just a second. So, all right, Scott, flick me forward, please. All right. So just to kind of go through the, uh, the, the process here again, real quick, I won't do it in the same details last time. So we go through and understand the product store attributes, digest the store level components, whether that be in a spaceman file, whether that be in a, a JDA file, right? So we're going through, we can digest a number of different space um, planning uh, inputs. Then we take that and we load our data, right? Very simple foundational data set that we can add complexity to as we go forward. Then you as the user would work with our, um, our uh, client services team to add the constraints that either your merchant is wanting to understand, your sales or your marketing team are, are interested about. And then we go simulate that, which is done in, we'll call it 15 to 45 minutes uh, per optimization. And then that gives you the ability to qualify and quantify that judgment as we're going forward. So that's the approach we take as we go through this with retailers, with e-commerce data, with, um, with category management professionals, or sales marketing and um, revenue growth management um, professionals out there. In this instance, we're optimizing existing assortment for revenue growth with no new items added. So I'm just kind of framing up the various scenarios that this client asked us to do. So that was the first one. Number two was we want you to determine store-specific expansion opportunities for the fictitious Plum Rum brand. Sorry to anybody out there that may actually own the rights to Plum Rum. That is an element of Scott Anderson's imagination. Um, we're probably going to get sued for that, Scott. And then thirdly is simulate the impact of removing a pack size in selected stores in order to maximize growth um, while keeping our manufacturing efficiency and the retailer stocking efficiency sort of top of mind um, as we're going through. All right, so let's show some slides here. So here was an example where we went through, and so if you see the, um, this is an, an actual poll off of um, our, our tool. So you see PODs here in the, um, at 10,100 with 0% differential in it. So this is a great example of, we didn't add any new items. There were no new items in the assortment. All we did was say, hey, retailer, if we go from drawing clusters to store specific in this space, it would remix our portfolio and potentially the items that we have in there. And in this instance, these were our real results that we drove with a, a large manufacturer partner that in just the state of California where their brand over indexes, right? We were able to, to drive 450 basis points of incremental growth, which was about $400,000 a week um, for them. So we were able to go through and showcase that um, we treat each store uniquely and go through and model how those items would perform um, in those areas um, differently, which was a $20 million kiss to that brand team um, and that retail team's uh, performance for just that one manufacturer without bringing on any new items, without adding any PODs. And so if you went into your retailer and said, hey, our recommendation this go round is we're going to bring you no new items. 
and we're going to bring you, and I'm going to be POD neutral and we're going to grow your business by 500 bips. That is like, I've never heard a presentation like that in my time as a, as, as a, as a merchant, it would be, it would be stunning. And so the ability then to bring in over the top other portfolio management components and modeling new items as well, we're going to, in sort of the talk track that we recommend to our clients is like, hey, we're going to take care of cleaning house and taking, making sure that we're managing our base well. Then we're on a track to manage our portfolio, and we're going to bring in new items that are highly incremental for you and us over the top. We think that's a pretty powerful um, partnership with, uh, with, with a merchant as we go through there. So these are individual items that we just dropped in a Tableau pin maps, right? But essentially, your green dots here are where individual items were recommended to be added, individual items were recommended to be retained, and where they were recommended to be deleted. And so in this case, we, prov- we asked the system to be POD neutral by store. Um, and so if one item went in, one item had to come out along the way somewhere else um, in there uh, as well. So um, as you can see, each item has a quite a different profile um, in where it was added or um, maintained or deleted um, along the way. So um, in this particular example, um, we did open it up for POD growth. And so you could say... One of the other things that clustering and why I'm anti-clustering for the intermediate term, it's it's a necessity in the short term. I'm anti-clustering in the sort of two to five year um, time frame is that you are naturally sub-optimizing days of supply. And so in this case, what we were able to do with this particular vendor is say, hold my space neutral while you go optimize within my portfolio to manage the existing share of shelf that I have um, in, in, in this particular retailer. So this is net neutral on linear footage with an 11.4% increase on PODs because we were able to um, harmonize days of supply because if you've got, think about it, if you've got, you know, 65 stores attached to one cluster, you're starting to manage off averages of revenue, averages of days of supply, averages of averages of averages. When we get down to store specific now, we can be really laser guided and precise around that specific items need for days of supply. And how does it need one facing, two facings, three facings? How do capping, stackings, different alternative allowable orientations potentially play into growing our brand within the existing space that the retailer will afford us? Um, Because to go in and make a pitch of I'm going to be POD neutral or I'm going to be space neutral, here are my recommendations for how I can grow our business by 11.5% is a really, really, really powerful um, sales um, uh, proposition for a retailer. Okay, so this is the third one. This was around pack size differences, where I've got a variety of different package sizes of the same brand within the set. So optimizing the space from three package sizes to two in the right stores, meaning we didn't do it in every store, right? Every store is a snowflake. Right. So if every store is a snowflake, that means in some stores, I'm going to get massive trade down out of um, eliminating a midsize package in some stores. That lowest size is going to serve as an opening price point for maybe lower income customers that really are looking for um, those those types of products because they're on a quite a fixed budget in that space. We literally are going through and, and with the data in that this very simple approach to dollars, units per store per week by item and the patterns that we're able to derive out of all of those items interacting with one another, we're able to go through and develop store-specific, item-specific transferability and cannibalization profiles. And so that allows us to make good decisions in stores, not make bad decisions in some stores and potentially be more aggressive in neutral stores where um, we may want to go through and, and, and play in that space. So 
Um, in this example, some of the key insights that we derived from this was that one size from each store was rationalized and the next best product was recommended to be replaced. Um, the system that the deep learning machine learning algos go through and actually simulate the weekly revenue impact. Um, at, at, and we aggregate that then back up into the subcategory levels um, along the way. And then thirdly is that um, we were able to drill down to an item store level and aggregate up to any level above that. So the things that I see when I look through the chart on the left right here were that, and this is a lot better, we can actually name the subcategories, but in this case, let's call um, subcategory C like really healthy options right there. And so therefore, by going and eliminating a mid-tier size in that, we got massive trade up in that potential area. We also lost very, very few units to no purchase at the end of the day. And so we would want to be very hyper-aggressive in subcategory C, the really healthy options here, that we could streamline our portfolio and actually in, incite trade up in that particular case without losing very many options. Subcategory F is the opposite of that, however, where if we go through and begin to um, remove or optimize certain package tiers along the way, that may be hyper-efficient. And I was meeting with a client yesterday that was talking about like, hey, we have certain items that are 50% less efficient in line time. We want to understand if we make a recommendation to the retailer to remove that particular item, what is the impact? not only to them, but also to us. And we're able to load that manufacturer's profitability data to understand transfer along the way, as well as for the retailer. Um, very, very powerful analytics for them. But in this case, we would come through and, and recommend that we trade a little more carefully in subcategory F and um, potentially not be as aggressive um, in, in that particular space. Scott, anything else to add on to this one? Yeah, two two things, and this was super cool because um, in in my sort of sixteen years in CPG, this an analysis like this done at the store level would have taken weeks, um, and a and a and a number of people on my team. This every one of these scenarios was run in, as I said in the very beginning, between five and thirty minutes, and getting a financial outcome and really being able to make decisions internally before going and making a recommendation uh, to a retailer. The second piece is this is happening now with COVID. Right. Everybody, all of our clients and, and listening to many of the great presentations during the CMA conference, everybody's struggling with that same thing. SKU rationalization has become forced. So you can decide now what would happen if I eliminate a pack size um, or it can get decided for you. Better to proactively look at where do I have opportunities that are not global add or deletes. Like I'm just going to wipe this pack size off the map entirely. That can be very bad for the manufacturer, can be very bad for the retailer. So this allows store item-specific recommendations to say this pack size can be removed from this store. The next, it'll, it optimizes to the next best-selling item in that store in the category set and can grow sales. That's a very different level of analysis than I've ever been able to do in my career. Yeah, so uh, with this, we were able to go through and drive um, 450 basis points worth of sales expansion. Um, we were able to grow PODs in the same space by 11.4% due to getting to a greater degree of precision with optimizing days of supply um, to meet the retailer's threshold for days of supply. And um, it, as we're going through with some store uh, um, or some some optimization there. And then swapping pack sizes for higher performing items, understanding the transferability, cannibalization of those in the right stores and, and actioning that in the right stores was uh, 240 basis points worth of acceleration for them. So um, yeah, we were, we were really pleased with this and we did this analysis in days once the, um, once the data was loaded. One of the things that we've we've spoken with and worked across a number of VPs of marketing and CMOs, it's kind of the age-old question of, um, I'd love to cut my advertising spend in half. I just don't know which half, right? Um, and if we're if we're getting down to store and market level data that says these items, remember that eighty percent of new items fail, and I spent a ton of money in promotional support and advertising support to stand those items up. 
Um, sometimes they don't get executed properly, but a lot of times it's just we picked the wrong stores or it was out of our hands which stores got picked. But if you can get those items into the right store in the first relay, um, you can support those items in those particular markets. And even with one-to-one -one advertising, um, you know, at, at, in, at a store-specific forum, now that that technology exists, um, it's a combination of creating shelf space by re-optimizing the existing assortment, just to recap what, what Zach just took you through, um, and then being able to pinpoint your advertising and support to stand those items up in those particular stores and markets to ensure that they survive that first relay. Uh, which gives them time to get legs in the marketplace, get noticed by shoppers, consumers, to, to let all those effects uh, come around uh, so that those, not only those items, but the brand portfolios will continue to grow. I'll kick it back to you for just how these types of analyses uh, and simulations and scenarios get presented to a retailer. The, the question really had a lot to do with that. So the question was, um, it seems retailer buy-in for optimizations is a really critical first step here. In, and many retailers don't have a great handle on store-specific or even cluster mapping of planograms. What are some key success factors to establish the partnership to overcome mapping limitations for a successful implementation? Um, terrific uh, transition right into this. So um, when we look at coming through here with win-win um, expansions beyond the test, um, you know, we've we've gone through and many new items are, um, you know, we, we look at them in the way that they were always presented kind of in the past was like, well, we think it should be in 80 percent of distribution. We think it should be in 50 percent of distribution. You're 12 doors and up your eight doors and up sets um, and kind of to go, um, you know, forward from there quite rapidly um, as we get into this. So, you know, I think that the ability to come through and make very precise um, recommendations to a merchant that they can go execute. And um, Tom, to, to sort of answer your question, we deal with a lot of really garbage data out there. And so that's part of what our client services and data operations team does is we spend a lot of time. It's the hardest part of the whole process is cleaning the data and getting a really good baseline for the data um, to sort of kick off with all this. And then the sort of optimization and, and that sort of stuff is, is the easy part um, from this. So we, we go through and help support and hold your hand with the retail partner through that process um, as we're going through. And so, um, you know, we think once we get that data set up, it gives your team a really good foundation to be able to come through and make executable um and in revenue optimizing or profit optimizing for the retailer and for you guys um, opportunities as, as we're going forward from there. So um, as, as we go through and start actually doing these simulations, right? So in this um, fictitious example right here, we have 400 stores um, in this project. Um, this is for the like um, adult nutrition, healthy nutrition type, think whey protein, pre-workout type stuff protein bars, um, it, it, as an example. So if you go through and actually begin to expand distribution um, in this space, right, we, we know now that we can come through and we can monetize the judgment of that particular decision. Um, in this particular example, the retailer may say, hey, I'm not willing to increase PODs um, in my set by 25%. That's, that's too much. You have to be POD neutral. And so that's a constraint that we can go through as users and add really, really quickly. It also gives us the ability to understand based upon the transfer item to item components of if we lean into an item, where is it going to source that volume from and what other items need to be minimized on the planogram from a day's supply standpoint or eliminated from that particular store, from a DC, from a region, um, et cetera, as we go through. But I think this notion of using this as not just a planogram drawing tool, but as a platform for joint business planning with your retail partners to monetize the value of judgment, whether that's case pack expansions or contractions, the value of being um, pack and a half or 
pack plus one and sm- the smallest planograms and not having to be packing having every single planogram out there are all types of simulations that we can do um, and and are doing that really drive meaningful financial um, focus um, and 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 calibrate that judgment and monetize that judgment um, along the way. If you look over sort of what we've talked about um, as in sort of in summary here, it's we've really um, tried to showcase today how to better predict how new items are going to earn distribution at retailers down to store level. We think this is a valuable tool for um, category management professionals to provide to your merchants for your marketing um, and for your marketing and revenue growth management teams, as well as your sales teams, right? Um, in there. Uh, we say down to the store level, but it's really, if I were to change the rhetoric on the slide slightly, it's up from store level. So we can go to any level higher than store level um, that you want to, um, but we start down at the individual store item combination. Secondarily here is how to maximize the revenue by optimizing your portfolio at store level to create space for new items, for other items within your portfolio, et cetera. And so we can lock in your space and optimize within that. We can lock in your PODs. And so how are you managing your brand's existing distribution and opportunities to accelerate within that, again, from store level up um, for merchant recommendations in that Thirdly, is enabling pinpointed advertising in markets to amplify the success of existing brands and new ones. So where do you see um, your brand at risk of coming out of uh, a in, in the next line review? We can make those recommendations to you and show you if the merchant were to go through and make really data-driven, highly judgment or highly data-driven decisions, where are you at risk? That has a very uh, that has a different application potentially for your dollars. And then, where do you have the right to win, and where do we see you having the most success um, to go invest on the front side in there? And then, lastly, is this whole notion of um, collaboration um, between Hivery, your organization, and your retail partners, which is creating win-win scenarios for um, your team and your PNL, the retailer, and their PNL as well. We had the question of how have you validated predicted volume post-implementation? If so, how tight's the correlation? We've got all kinds of data to be able to come through and show you what was predicted and what actualized um, as we came through these. That would you know, be something we would love to, to walk you through and show you um, the visualizations of those outputs um, masked across a lot of different projects that we've done. Um, some more tightly correlated, some less tightly correlated, and those generally are more correlated to higher velocity categories have a better um, signal of, of demand. Lower velocity categories are, are a little bit tougher. So I think spices, wine, that sort of stuff is, is a little bit harder. Um, but it's still a really, really good number, Tom, and we'd love to, to show it to you or anybody else that would love to see that. Thanks for listening until the end of this podcast. If you like anything you hear from Scott and Zach or like to explore how machine learning and operations research models can be used in your stores to maximize revenue by optimizing your brand portfolio at the store level to create space for new innovation and high-performing items and or simulate where new items will earn distribution as well as quantify the success of existing brands and new items in your store, Navigate to hybrid.com forward slash curate and book a time for a demo. And for now, remember, data has a better idea. See you next time.